The government has softened its stance on wanting to end extra pay for public service employees who are fluent in te reo Māori. Some public service workers are eligible for allowances of up to $3,500 per year depending on their proficiency in te reo. Public Service Minister Nicola Willis says National doesn't support the bonuses and wouldn't have implemented them but can't remove them when they're already listed in collective agreements. She clarified yesterday that the government is opposed only when speaking te reo isn't relevant to the job. Naiwi Apanui is the Chief Executive of the Māori Language Commission, Te Taura Fidi, and is with us now. Tēnā koe. Tēnā koe, morena, uh, Nice to talk to you. This issue, uh, explain to us the importance of these allowances, why they are necessary. Yeah, well, that's true. They're an allowance, not a bonus. So they're not paid out as a bonus at the end of the year. They're paid as... Uh, fortnightly and weekly as part of your your REM, but they also recognise a gap in the remuneration bands in the public sector. Now, um, one of the things that the public sector doesn't do is recognise te reo Māori or any uh, ao Māori um, skills. So often um, te reo proficient uh, Māori workers in the public service are doing things like teaching waiata to people, doing whaikōrero, karanga, karakia, a whole range of cultural duties that aren't described in their um, job descriptions. And so in 1989, I think it was, the first um, assessment was made for the allowance. So this thing has been around since 1989, and it's and it is it recognises a gap. It is an allowance, it is not a bonus, and it has also turned out to be something of a carrot for public service workers to learn to do an incentive. So really, really important that that is, uh, that is in place until the time that the remuneration bans in the um, public sector are adjusted. Mm. The government, obviously, this new government, keened to cut costs in the public sector, and it's looking everywhere. Uh, I think it was David Seymour who was arguing yesterday about whether or not these allowances improved the delivery of public services, and that is what he is interested in. Your response to that, do, do, do having these allowances across the board, and not across the board, but in many public sector areas, how does it improve the delivery of public services, if that's what this government wants? Well, there's a couple of areas that I think the government needs to to be cognizant of, and the first one is the job market. So there's a hugely competitive job market at the moment for real proficient staff, um, both in the private and the public sector. Uh, I lose, I used to lose staff every every six months because they could find better opportunities in the bigger agencies and more pay. Uh, now, the the bulk uh, there's a growing number of um, young people that are coming in with degrees who have come out of Māori immersion uh, schooling. Now. They want to come into, and they need to come in uh, into a workplace that actually recognises that skill. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is if you're going to engage with Māori, you need the requisite skills to do that. And te reo Māori and cultural skills is one of those is, is an important part of that skill set. One of the reasons that a lot of agencies um, fall over in their work with with iwi and with Māori is that they don't have those skills, or they don't prioritise them, and they get into trouble. So, one of the things we've been working with really, really um, strongly with over the um, past uh, eight or so years, is working with agencies to be able to improve their delivery to Māori. I mean, people can understand, obviously, education and many public sectors would obviously need that ability. Uh, Are there parts of the public sector, though, where it's not as necessary and it it may not be needed? Well, I think every... there, there, There are a couple of things here, too. It's not just the service to Māori. It's also 
a treaty obligation, right? And and this has been worked out over over four or five decades of legal action. I mean, you go back to the broadcasting assets case, and and a whole bunch of other um, you know um, legal activity that has happened over the uh, last four or five, five decades that has formed the basis of what we know now as our treaty as our treaty um, obligations for the public sector, and to deal and a number of other things. Um, to do with Māori are in there. So it's it's not just about um, us um, working with Māori, it's also us as a public sector having an obligation um, <clears throat> to te reo, to keep it going. But the other thing that we keep saying to people all the time, and we'll repeat this message, is that te reo Māori is New Zealand's language. Everybody in our country has the right to learn and speak the language. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm interested in that. So there's a couple of separate things there in a sense that obviously te reo Māori an official official language of New Zealand, on the one hand, and I'm interested in the the principles of the treaty as well, in the sense that this government has obviously indicated it wants to remove treaty principle references from legislation. If it did that, would that have an impact on the use of te reo in public, the public sector or the, the need to, as a treaty principle and requirement, or would it be separate as te reo being an official language? Are they separate things? No, they're not. I mean, if you talk about the treaty as being our founding document, then you can't remove it from all government, um, you know, from, from acts, from, from government documents, because the, the treaty, if the treaty is our foundation, then it should be referred to. That's, that's, that's the way it is. It's, it's like saying to the Americans, take your constitution out of all of your, um, out of all your laws and out of all your official documents, it just won't work. And so here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> when The reason that I have a, an organisation that I manage is because of the treaty, and because of a treaty claim that was taken in the mid-'80s and succeeded. So that resulted in the Māori Language Act, um, which also made the language official, but established the, the Māori Language Commission. Um, so, you know, that's the basis of everything that's in place at the moment. If you take it out or you remove it, then you take out the foundation and basis for all of that work. Right, but if there was to be in a move to, to take out references to the principles and legislation, that's not going to affect what you're doing because, it, as you say, that's already that's a, a, that was a, a claim already settled. Yeah, well, the thing is, though, is it's all kind of inextricably intertwined. So you've, you've got a public service that's hugely sensitive to what any government says. So at the moment, even prior to the election, organisations were talking about removing their Māori names. Um, and and what we're finding at the moment is that there's an enormous amongst, you know, amount of angst within the public sector about what's going to happen to Te Reo and all the work that's been put in over the past you know, seven or eight years under national and Labour governments. Well, just finally, what did you make of um, the Prime Minister was suggesting that you know, his response to this issue initially was uh, encouraging people to learn Te Reo, but to do it sort of in their own time or to do it off their own bats rather than necessarily being funded by the state? Well, look, here's the, here's the data, right? In, in 2015, when I uh, took on the role as the, you know, as the CEO of the Māori Language Commission, under 3% of the population spoke Te Reo Māori. Um, since the, the state got behind it and really gave it a good boost, the last general social survey run by StatsNZ says that 7.9% uh, of New Zealanders now say they speak Te Reo fairly well, and that was in 2021. It's going to be really interesting to see the next census results because I believe that'll be up to 10 or 12. So that's, these, are, these are a set of data there that I think the Prime Minister might, might want to look at. It's a very, very important um, set because there's a growing number of New Zealanders, many of whom are non-Māori, who are now saying they're Māori English speakers. Namahi, uh, thank you very much for your uh, kōrero this morning. That is Nahiwi Apanui, the Chief Executive of the Māori Language Commission.
te taura fi